Hey church, it's good to be with you today. We have we have some awesome friends in the house today. And um, it's going to be a good, good Saturday. Sabbath day is going to be a good day. I believe that um, you're in a season of rest and God is doing awesome things with you. Uh, and uh, today's word is, is a unique word. It's a transitional word. And uh, it's really going to establish... Uh, the future of um, our lives or our lives in, in the future is going to establish it by setting new parameters and setting new boundaries personally. This word is a, a word of encouragement, but it, it is a personal word. It's a word uh, for you. It's a word for me. Uh, we're all in this together. And I really believe that as I'm speaking to you, I'm also speaking to myself. I'm also encouraging myself. I'm encouraging you. Uh, but also, once the message is done, I want you to spend some time in the life group uh, just really talking about this message uh, and really uh, having a deep heart discussion uh, and really making some good choices from, uh, from this day on. All right? So, we're still on a series called Spiritual Algorithms. And today, the title of my message is called The Intersection of Faith. All right? The Intersection of Faith faith. Kelsey and I love Formula One, okay? We love Formula One. This is the first woman in all the world who loves Formula One as much as I do. In fact, let me just say this. She loves sport more than I do. As you can tell, I'm in heaven. That is the marriage that is made in heaven for me. Right? And so Kelsey and I love Formula One. And to, to top it all, we love the same team. <laughs> it helps. It helps in the marriage. It helps. It does. And so we love Red Bull. Anybody love Red Bull in the house? Not the drink, but the Formula One team. Um, I should have worn my T-shirt. You know, Sam and Althea blessed me with a Red Bull T-shirt. but uh, A sweater, but it's too hot for it now. Um, so Max Verstappen is now the world champion, by the way. Just want to let you know, we love Max. He's awesome. And, uh, but I was, and, and the Formula One season is, is starting now. We're going to start in a couple of weeks time in Bahrain. And I'm super excited for it. So I was thinking about Formula One. When, I'm, when I was thinking about the message, I was thinking about Formula One. Yes, I know. I'm a pastor, I do that. Um, I was thinking about the, the last season and especially the first race. And you know, the first race of the year sets the tone of what the challenge is like uh, for the rest of the teams. For everyone, the whole race, the whole season is set on, you know, who wins the first race and how they win it. It's very important, okay? There's something spiritual in this, don't worry. And so, as I was thinking about the first race, I was thinking about how Max and Lewis Hamilton, you know, the, the, the rivals on, on, on the race course, and how there was this moment where Max was leading the first race. I mean, he was doing really well. And he was in front, he, was, he had P1 and he was really going for it. And there came a point in time where he had to change his tires. And when he went to change, do a pit stop, Lewis Hamilton took the lead of the race. And so now Max comes and now he's right behind Lewis Hamilton because he has fresh tires and Lewis Hamilton is losing ground and the race is going on and everybody's looking at the screen the way you're looking at what I'm saying right now. But there came a point in the race where 
you could make out that Max was getting agitated. And he was trying his level best to overtake Lewis to become the leader of the race, to win the race. And Max does overtake him. But while he was in front of Lewis, the stewards call him and tell him that he needed to give his position back to Lewis. And the reason why is because he broke the rules. He broke the rules and overtook Lewis Hamilton Hamilton outside the track. And so when in Formula 1 if you overtake over the shoulder and you have to give the position back. And so eventually Max lost the first race and Mercedes had the bragging rights for the rest of the year because Max was out of character. As a professional, there's a certain way you conduct yourself on the race course. And Max broke the rule because he was so eager to win the race. He was so eager to prove a point that he decided to do something that a rookie would do. And so that's what I want to talk about today. The intersection of faith. You're in this moment where you have a decision to make. Now look, this message is for all of us, including me. We're always at an intersection of life where we have to make a decision. What are we going to do in this moment? And that decision right there is dependent on your character. So what I'm actually talking about is character today. Character. See, why is a professional called a professional is because when there's no race happening, when there's no game happening, he is practicing. He's disciplining his immaturity and he's practicing the very moment of overtaking Lewis Hamilton over and over and over and over again to the point when he does come at race day and he's in that moment he remembers the rules and waits for the right time and the right opportunity to make the move so that he can win the race that's what a professional does a professional has his character that leads him to success See, your character, the success in life is not dependent on who your mother and father was, what your inheritance is that you received, what your how successful your business is or how successful your family is. Your success in life is based on how mature your character is. See, in fact, your character determines how successful how successful you will be but also how you steward that success to grow it it's your character it's not your inheritance it's not it's not just the you know the grace of god like we think hey hey listen i'm favored by god sure you can be favored by god but you can create havoc if you don't have character but max in that moment if he 
only understood if his management team, if his managers, if his coach would have said, Max, you are going to come into having this experience with Lewis Hamilton where he's not going to allow you to overtake him because it's a race. I need you to practice this. I need you to practice this. I need you to practice this. I need you to practice it. And Max said, yes, yes, I'm practicing. I'm practicing. I'm practicing. What is he practicing in that moment? He's disciplining his immaturity by being patient. He's learning to be patient and waiting for his time, waiting for the right moment, the right opportunity where it is safe, safe for the person in front and it's also safe for him to overtake. See, that is what a professional is. But an amateur will allow his emotions to override his character. The emotions of, I want to win. I want to prove a point. I, I, I want to, like a little boy, crying all the time, trying to have his way, will cause you to lose at something that God has set up for you to win. A lot of us, even in Christianity, even in the kingdom of God, carry immaturity into the kingdom and don't steward the favor that God has given us. Only because we don't practice. We don't like the word discipline. We don't like the word training. We don't like the word equipping. We don't like the word submission. We don't like these terms. God has called me to be a king. Sure, brother, praise the Lord for that. That's awesome. That's your identity. You can keep it. But have you seen a king out of character? Never. Why? Because behind closed doors, <laughs> the king is put through the training of how to conduct himself as a king and not a pauper. But if you take a pauper and put him in a king's clothes, and allow him to do whatever he wants to do in the kingdom. Guess what's going to happen? The kingdom will become poor. Because the pauper is poor on the inside in his character. We must understand what God is trying to say to us today. It's awesome that you can prophesy. It's awesome that you can preach. It's awesome that you can teach. It's awesome that you can evangelize and do all the fivefold. Those are gifts, offices of grace. But you can destroy more lives by not developing your character. And character, ladies and gentlemen, is hard. It's tough. It's very, very tough. And it requires persistence. It requires failing. It requires you to be in an, a safe environment where you fail and fail and fail and fail and you try and the bar keeps going higher and higher and higher and higher and you feel like you're not good enough. You feel like you're like it's, oh, I keep failing and failing and failing until one day the test comes and you realize that what you're failing at is so high compared to the test that the test was so easy. It's what we call in the, in the kingdom, failing forward. Wow. <laughs> we fail forward. It's okay to fail. 
It's okay to fail because I would rather fail at, at trying to reach such a high level than failing at something that I should have already done. A professional has the ability to make a good choice, the right choice under stress. So which means you need to practice and equip yourself in stressful moments. We love, Pastor, pray for me so I can escape this stress. As soon as it starts happening, the challenge starts happening. Send a message. We, we have no tolerance. But you must understand that circumstance, a situation has come your way as an opportunity for you to develop character. Character. And so I'm talking about the character of Christ now. See, professionals, they, they train stress, levels of stress over and over and over and over again. Till when they're in the race, they make the stress of the race look very easy. Very poised. Have you ever seen Sachin Tendulkar, for those who don't understand cricket, forgive me. Have you ever seen Sachin Tendulkar getting scared when Shoaib Bakhtar was bowling? Never. A guy who's 6'5", fastest bowler in the world, and Sachin Tendulkar is the shortest batsman in all of creation, <laughs> hitting him for sixes. But you don't see him sweating. Why? It's because in the nets, Sachin Tendulkar is practicing, practicing. Same shot, over and over and over and over again. Cristiano Ronaldo, when he stands at that, taking that free shot, do you know he must have practiced that free shot like a million times over his football career? He's standing there and the nation, the whole nation of Portugal is dependent on him. What is he going to do right now? Is he going to kick it out or kick it in? But Ronaldo's not thinking of that. He's calm. He's like, I've done this so many times. I can close my eyes and score the goal. And they do. And we watch those videos on repeat over and over and we think that we are Cristiano Ronaldo in the test. We've not practiced the way he did. We think we're Sachin Tendulkar standing there. When life throws a curveball at us, we have no power on our own. We have no character to be able to pass the test with poise. See, the the kingdom of God is, is similar like that. There are things called the realm of the spirit. And all these things are created by God to serve you and me when it's not race time. <laughs> we must understand the trials and the tribulation and the persecution that is coming our way is not just from other religions, but it happens from Christians only. Okay, don't worry about uh, 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 the, the situations in your own home. In your own home. Between husband and wife. Let's just start there. The tension, the looks, the, all of that stuff. I'm talking about those are situations. Those are opportunities for us to develop character. Not try to prove somebody wrong. 
Not try to, to, to listen to the news channel and now badmouth your government. No, it's an opportunity to develop character. It's an off-season test. See, it's important for us to understand that what we do when it's not race time, how we practice, how we position our hearts to be led by the Holy Spirit in that moment will cause us to really be successful in life. See, success in life is not really dependent on you coming. I don't need practice. I just come like that. Show up. Yeah, you show up and you will fail at what you do. But you've got to become a professional Christian. That's what I'm saying. Not a fake Christian. Professional Christian. What I mean by that is you have allowed yourself through the test, you recognize this is a test to develop me. This is an opportunity sent by God, not the devil, sent by God to develop Christ's character in me. I'm going to use this. I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to allow this to reveal Christ in me. That's when you begin to experience what we call hope of glory. Christ in me is the hope of glory. So these tests come to really reveal and build you in your character. How you respond to people when nobody's looking. How do you talk to your... To, let me explain this. How, as business people, how do you talk to people who owe you money? Is a test. When, when they haven't paid you at the due time, how you speak to them in that moment, you're not in authority. You're being tested. When that friend who bugs you wants to hang out with you, how you create an excuse is a test. <laughs> how you make up something that doesn't exist to not hang out with them is a test. It's building character. See, what you do in the off-season and what you develop in the off-season is really what is manifested when the race is on. I never understood what my coach was doing. I thought he just didn't like me at all. For the Ironman. I've never done Ironman. But it's just a race, you know. I was just telling Cassie, just run 21 kilometers. Just, it's okay, we can do it. <laughs> just ride 90 kilometers. Yes, yeah, okay. No, but when the coach started, started small tests. I was like, 20K? Come on, man. I can do this. This is easy stuff. Like, I, I'm waiting. I, I, was, I was getting, I was getting frustrated because he was giving me small things to do. Like small distances. Oh, this Iron Man is 90 kilometers, three hours more than three hours long. What am I doing 20 minute rides for? But you see, the off season, I didn't understand, but he was building what we call in cycling call is a base, is an aerobic base. Not an anaerobic, an aerobic base. You've got to build an aerobic base so that on top of that, you can build an anaerobic base. You can't go fast straight away because you'll waste your energy. Because you don't have an aerobic base. 
And so in the off-season, three months, he's building an aerobic base. In the last two weeks, he upped it. And I was like, oh my God, I love the aerobic base. Don't take me out of the aerobic base. I want to be there. Because he started giving me interval trainings that were so painful. I was like, no, 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 this cannot be the race. And he said, John, this is the race. This is what you need to be at in order for you to finish the race in time. So I said, but I like that. <laughs> he said, Joe, you can take forever to finish that, but Kelsey is waiting for you on the other side. You've got to do it fast. And so he started pushing the envelope and the test became harder and harder and harder and harder. Every week, every day was hard. But as a pastor, <laughs> I had to submit. I had to submit to someone who is not a pastor, but is pastoring the pastor. And I'm paying him to make me suffer. <laughs> On top of that. <laughs> and so eventually now, he didn't say anything to me. He said, you know, you are, it's getting good and you know, you have to watch your time and don't go out too fast on the race day. And he gave me some guidelines, didn't tell me everything. Just gave me some guidelines. And then on race day, when I started riding my bike, I was like, this is easy. I, I came back thinking, when I, when I was coming back near Mall of the Emirates, coming over that bridge, I was thinking, oh, it's over? Oh, I wish it was longer. I wish I had more to write. I was enjoying it so much. You must understand, race day. You are enjoying race day. See, character that is built off season causes you to enjoy bigger giants. Not be afraid of them. It causes you to embrace big storms full of joy. That's what it means. That's what James was saying. Count it all joy. How do you count it all joy? Because you were counting little things as joy. You were building this aerobic base of, of being a, a Christian by doing the little things, overcoming the little challenges that were set before you so that when race day happens, when it matters and the whole world is watching you, what choice are you going to make? Are you going to make an immature choice uh, like a rookie Christian? Oh, I've just been born again for three months, brother. I don't know what I... No. When the time comes, will you manifest the glory of God? Because the world is watching the glory of Jesus, the Christ, the character of God that is manifesting through your life. And that's what's most important. That's why we need to really look at, have a perspective of really why we suffer and what is being developed in us when we go through suffering. Now, I want to show this to you in the scripture. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 16. It's quite a well-known scripture. But I want to show you something that we might have missed. All right? Acts 16, and we'll read from verse 16 onwards. Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Now this is Paul and Silas. Who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Okay, so Paul and Silas are going to pray. And while they're going to pray, there's a, 
woman who is filled with the spirit of divination divination means word of knowledge they would give fortune they would tell you this is what your grandmother did and that's what they they sound like them and it's a spirit it mimics human beings and causes you to get convinced that god is speaking to you and the realm of the spirit is speaking to you all right so it's a spirit of divination and so she brought her masters much profit which means she was making them money and so she was a tool to make these people money all right so she now is going around wherever paul and silas were and were bugging them okay all right this girl followed paul and us and cried out saying these men are the servants of the most high god who proclaim to us the way of salvation she's speaking the truth but and this she did for many days there's a limit <laughs> There's a limit. When you're trying to preach the gospel and somebody's saying this is a man of God. This is a man of God. This is a man of God. There's a limit. <laughs> and we're seeing Paul's limit. Okay? But Paul here's the word greatly annoyed. That's the problem right there. Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her." And he came out that very hour. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, so now grace is very different. Okay? The power of God is not sub- subjected to whether you're in a good mood or not. Demonic spirits don't create an issue if you're annoyed. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. He's annoyed and casts out a demon. And the demon leaves the person. So which means the demon recognizes power more than he recognizes Paul being annoyed. I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's grace. This is This is God's grace. It's amazing. So whether you have sin issues or no issues, God will still move. Don't try to limit the power flowing by trying to, you know, fix your problems first. Do you understand? A lot of us waste opportunities to change people's lives thinking that we are unworthy, brother. I need to go to God. God needs to forgive me before that's religion, that's rubbish. Forgive me for those forgive me people who believed it before. Uh, I just kind of smashed the whole thing but you know but if you believed that God's power was limited because of your sin and because of your character flaws then you have to rethink whether you're saved or not. You think that you are saved by your own works or it was Christ's works. If Christ's works saved you that is your faith now in Christ. That you begin to experience salvation Christ flowing through your life. And so here we see now Paul greatly annoyed which means this woman bugged him. Turned command you in the name of Jesus and it came out that very hour. Now but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone 
they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive and observe. Now I want to stop there for just a few minutes. I want to explain this to you. What we might look at as persecution is actually a consequence of being out of character. What we might look in the Bible and say, wow, man, Paul and Silas, look at them. They're persecuted by these people for preaching the gospel. He's not persecuted for preaching the gospel. He's getting persecuted, beaten because he got annoyed and cast out the spirit. That's why I said we might have missed something in the Paul and Silas jail story. Look, Max, out of character, lost the race. Paul, out of Christ's character, demonstrates power, thinks he's the man, gets absolutely hammered. Please listen to me. The entire city could not hear the gospel being preached because Paul acted in the flesh. Ooh. Now, think about your life. This was an opportunity for Paul to not get angry. You know that he talks about the thorn in the flesh? I believe it's this woman. There are people around Paul all the time. Just It was that. Because you can see him in the flesh, out of character, it was a weakness. And this opportunity came to Paul to develop what we call long suffering. <laughs> long suffering. Right. So now, they brought them to the magistrates and they make their statement. Then the multitude, look at this, the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, this they didn't put stickers, okay? These are rods beaten. They beat them. They threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. I want to submit to you that they were in this position because Paul acted out of character. If you and I were to look at our lives, how do we process? How do we react? The Bible says, be slow to anger and abounding in love. Slow to anger but abounding in love. So which means Christ's character was totally opposite to Paul's character here. So which means every time we step in the flesh, there's a consequence of the flesh. But the more we are in Christ's character, the flesh begins to respond according to Christ's character being manifested from our lives. 
I'm not sure this to you. Now, let's keep on reading. Now, but at midnight, Paul and Silas, what were they doing? Praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. I hope you're, you're seeing the difference. Look, a lot of times, and I've done this also, we've attributed the earthquake chains falling off, prison doors opening to worship and praise. <laughs> but I would like to submit something different to you today. It is in the moment where they're experiencing another test. They recognize their need of God. And they use worship or praise and prayer as tools to align themselves to their need of God. See, maturing or growing in the kingdom of God, or maturing and growing in the kingdom of God looks like this. Developing a character that is not self-dependent. Not self-reliant. But in a moment of absolute anguish, you choose not to react. In a moment where you are hard pressed from all the sides, you choose in that moment not to say, I'm going to praise and while the, the loudness of my voice, the chains are going to fall. No, no, no. You choose to look inward. You choose to focus inward. Paul and Silas in that moment, as they were worshipping and as they were praying, they began to focus. What is prayer? What is worship? Prayer is communication to God. Worship is a tool. It's, a, it's sound. It's melody and intentions that come together to really align your focus where it needs to be. They're tools. Worship is a tool. Praise is a tool. Prayer is a tool. It's not the reason why the earth started quaking. It is when Paul and Silas began to engage with the character of Christ. What is the character of Christ in that moment? Long-suffering, patience. Beginning to respond in the opposite way to what the environment was saying to them. Beginning to communicate and respond in that way. When they began to do that, ladies and gentlemen, they began to tap into something that the earth, the chains and the prison doors began to respond to. What is that? The character of Christ. See, the earth began to shake because the character of Christ was beginning to manifest to Paul and Silas. That even though they were in chains in the deepest, darkest dungeon in the prison, everything was against them they chose to put their faith where it needs to be. And it is in that moment that they manifested the character of Christ. How do we know that? You see it, that when the chains fall off, they didn't run out of prison. Because that's what Jesus would have done. He's like, hey, 
you put me here i'm here man you can set me free these chains are not holding if a, a free man i'm free these chains on my hands these stocks on my feet don't communicate to me that i am a prisoner i'm already free no matter how oppressive the rules in the season are question is are you free see because the character of christ this season covid and all the government rules and all that stuff what is happening what is god giving us an opportunity he's giving us an opportunity to develop the character of christ in us where we think that only the church service is a christianity no no Christ's character is more important than having a church service. Christ's character being formed in us is more important than us standing on a mic and preaching the gospel and doing everything that we think is normal Christianity. Because what causes you to be resilient when everything is against you is the character of Christ in you. You're always at an intersection. Every time there is a situation that challenges the way you think, that challenges your character, that challenges where you think I am favored by God and this needs to change. No, it's hold on a minute. God's more interested in developing his character in you than seeing how you experience his favor. Come on now. We let me explain it again. When you don't have Christ's character, you will not steward Christ's favor. That favor is not your favor. You did not earn it. Christ earned it. He is the only one that is entitled to the favor that comes from the Father. But he allows he shares his favor with you because you chose to believe in him. And so you, what you're having is shared favor. And you think you're entitled to it. but you cannot steward that favor unless you begin to steward your character Christ character in you it is Christ character that causes you to be resilient resilient when the storms are really small so the time comes when you are now in the public eye and everybody's watching the race what are the choices that you make in that moment Are you allowing your emotions to overtake overwhelm you and you're making choices like a little child and, and everybody around you hates you now. They can't handle you. It's not a professional Christian. It's not a professional. He's not developed his character. Because everybody else in church are maturing, 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 the character is developing and now all of a sudden somebody is not submitting. And so now we have to make more room. Okay, be patient. Okay, we, we, God called us to suffer long. So as we're suffering with other things, okay, now we suffer with you also. But you think that people need to be focused on you when they're tolerating you. They're tolerating your immaturity. See, this happens in church. And we think that why is the pastor not calling me? Why is my life coach not pursuing me? It's all this all words or cries of immaturity not christ christ will not ask is my pastor calling me just think just open your mind and think someone who is maturing in christ will not need anybody in fact i've got so many things to give you let me call you 
Let me call you. I've got love that is overflowing out of my heart that I want to serve and give you love. That's the church of Jesus Christ. Not needy people that are immature. We are given opportunities six days of the week, not on Saturday. Six days of the week to mature in that character. So that when we do meet people, ah, I've got something awesome to give you. I've got a word. I've got, I've got a hug. Look, everything that I do for you is Christ. Christ in me. I've recognized Christ in me. I've worked on Christ in me the whole week. I've got testimony after testimony after testimony of Christ being formed in me. Now, I want you to go to Galatians. Actually, go to Romans chapter 5. It's the next book. Romans chapter 5. I want to read a nice verse for us. But I'm going to read it in the, in the ESV. All right? Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. Okay? I'll read it in King James Version, New King James, and then I'll read it in ESV. Verse 3 says this, And not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations. Wow! You know where this verse is going. It starts off like that. But we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I want to read this in the uh, ESV because it's really cool. It says this, We know that suffering produces endurance. That's that word. I love endurance. I hated it. Now I love it. Okay. We know that suffering, this is another word we did not like, that we're beginning to warm up to. It's the only church that really talks about celebrating and celebrates suffering. We know that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope, right? And hope does not disappoint, right? It's amazing. Suffering in Greek is the word thilipsis, okay? And it means to be confined, restricted, compressed and hemmed in a narrow passage with no escape. That's what suffering means. No escape. But no escape as in you're not free, you're hemmed in. Everything. The bank is calling, the credit cards are calling, the, the wife is calling, the boss is calling, the, the salespeople are calling, everybody's calling you at the same You're hemmed in and you feel like you have no way to escape. I'm sure most of us identify with those moments. But most of us have looked for a way to escape. And we thought we are God's children and God does not do this to us. Why is this happening to me? Why me? I thought I gave my life to Jesus. Where is he now? No, no, he's right there. But we must understand what God is doing is He looks at these opportunities to see what you would do in that moment. And just like Paul and Silas, in that moment of suffering, you're beaten, you have nothing left, you have no, like you've lost the race. It's in that moment where you don't give up. No matter what people say, 
No matter what they claim about my character, I'm not going to fight back. I'm not going to prove them wrong. I'm going to wait for God to prove them wrong. I'm not going to waste my energy anymore. I'm going to reserve my energy because I know this is a test. I'm going to reserve my energy for the race. I'm going to save my I'm going to save my energy for the race. There's something bigger coming. This suffering is temporary. It's not that it's nothing, it's temporary. It is something you feel it. You feel the pain, you feel the pressure, you feel everything closing in. Everybody that loves you hates you. It is that moment that you don't try to prove your I love you. I love you. I love you. I call you give you prophetic word. Now pastors make this mistake. They have a seeker sensitive congregation and they try to please them all the time. Leaders do it, coaches do it. If if if, if I don't call them, if I don't if I don't if I don't spend time with them, they'll not come back to our church. They were never in your church in the first place. Ooh. They were just passing by. And while they're passing by, they produced a test. And you now danced to their tune instead of allowing yourself to suffer. See the problems that people had in previous churches, they'll bring it into your church. And then they'll take the same thing and some more people to the next church. They do this all the time. They hop church hoppers, conference hoppers. They all they all there. It's okay. It's absolutely fine. See a lot of times people are very concerned whether the pastor is the wolf. But the Bible says the wolf is in sheep's clothing, not in the pastoral clothing. I submit that to you. <laughs> and so now when you're hemmed in in that moment, everyone is against you. People misunderstand you. They misunderstood what you said. They misunderstood your intention, your jokes were bad. Everything was taken the wrong way. You got to learn to be slow to anger and abounding in love for God. In that moment you choose not to give in to hatred. In that moment you choose to give in to love. And you choose to tap into the character of Christ that is already in you. Now, I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 is another cool passage. And it says this verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit. So to develop or mature the character of Christ in us is really the Holy Spirit that matures us. 
He matures. So the character of Christ is really summed up in the fruit of the Spirit. The character of Christ is really summed up in the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so if you want to develop or you want to recognize whether the fruit of the Spirit or the character of Christ is in you, now you've got to match the fruit that you think you have in your life to what Christ produces. What does Christ produce? He produces love. So the Spirit produces, the NLT version says, the Spirit produces fruit. Fruit as in not like the fruit that you think this fruit from a tree, all of these are the same fruit. They just have different expressions. Different tests cause you, different tests cause you to, causes Christ to manifest different expressions of fruit. Different expressions of the same fruit. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So you can, you can be in a position, you can be in a test where everybody around you hates you. And you know that the Spirit has produced love is when you were in a test before when one person hated you and you chose now to not retaliate. Someone did something wrong to you, chose not to retaliate. One person did that. And now you chose now that to, to not respond and you just... Slow to anger, abounding in love. Slow to anger. And you began to pray and you began to worship and you began to look to Christ. You put your faith. You're in an intersection of faith. You put your faith in Christ. And now you believe that God, I know that you will rescue me. You will save my, you will save my, what's the word love? My honor. You will save my honor. You're the one who will make sure that everybody around me knows the truth about me. You see, we, we strive, we go social media and we put all these posts on, and this is who I am and, and this is what I believe. Nobody cares. Really, nobody cares because it's only you talking about you. There's something different when people start talking about you. That's when you begin to say, ah, okay, now I get it. That's what I, this is, everybody now is talking about this person. Now all your friends around you, what do they say about you? Right. So where was I? <laughs> so when you, this one person who hates you, now you begin to not respond and you begin to develop. This Holy Spirit now looks at how you're responding to that situation. One person hating you. And you not responding to them. He looks at it and he says, okay, now I can develop the fruit of love. See, that fruit of love is not for you. That fruit of love is for the next two people who hate you. They begin to experience the fruit that you produced in the first test. See, that's how the kingdom of God works. You think that when a nation is against you, that's when I love this nation. No, no, you, you have to understand how God works before you went before the nation, he was giving you many tests to practice. He was setting you up for success. If you were not paying attention in that class, you will fail in the exam. And a lot of people rise up because God's favors upon them. And people recognize the favor of God in a person. They allow them to, but no character. And when the time comes and the limelight is upon them, 
They make mistakes. And everybody thinks now, that's what a Christian is like. That's what a Christian is like, man. That's what their God is like. Why should I believe it if that's what the Christian is like? I don't want that. Why? It's a character issue. Now, we don't judge people based on how they've fallen from glory and all that kind of stuff. Don't, don't get into that drama. That also is another test for you. <laughs> Whether a pastor buys a plane or he falls from grace, whatever you want to de- describe it, it's a test. It's a test. Small one. Choose to honor. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know their difficulties. You don't know the challenges that they are going through and the limelight that they and the pressures that they must be going through. We don't judge. Don't judge. If you have not learned to love, if you have every reason in the book not to be joyful, to be depressed, choose depression. I want to sit in depressing music. Let's sit in the darkness. I want to, it's all about me. Guess what? You're failing the test. In a moment where you have every right to focus on feeling sorry for yourself, you chose in that moment to say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. It's not about my kingdom, it's about your kingdom. I'm going to seek your kingdom first and your righteousness. And I know that everything will be added unto me. And in this moment, God, I'm choosing, I'm choosing to be submitted to you, not joyful, You're choosing to be submitted to you. You make me joyful. Come on. Bible says, you make me glad. A lot of us look at happenings and we get a little happy and we think that's joy. You can't decide to be joyful. You can't decide, Holy Spirit, fruit, joy, now. I need it. Ha ha. Doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. Look at your life. Look at the, look at the opportunities where you had every right not to be joyful. That's when you could have matured in the character of Christ. The character of Christ is love, joy, peace. Oh, there's that word again. Long-suffering. Look, kindness. Kelsey was talking about. Look at your past with kindness. Look at the mistakes that you've made with kindness. It will completely change how you see your future. Look, goodness. Faithfulness. Wow. Which means behind closed doors, you were given a test to be unfaithful. Not just in marriage now. You can be not married but still be unfaithful in your thoughts to God. Oh, became very quiet. (laughs) You can be unfaithful with your thoughts around people that are in your church. You can be unfaithful but these are tests. Somebody else came and preached a better sermon than your pastor. Hey, check this out, man. (laughs) Check this revelation, bro. Sure, you can check it. That's not a problem. But if that revelation causes you to honor one over the other, it's a test. Look, I'm, I'm very secure. You can listen to anybody you want. I don't have a problem. This is your test. (laughs) 
It's your test. The test of honor really communicates the fruit of faithfulness, the character of faithfulness in a person. Self-control. Wow. Touch your neighbor and say, control yourself. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> Self-control. Self-control is amazing, right? But you don't make a choice to control yourself. The Holy Spirit produces a fruit and that fruit controls you. So that when somebody slaps you, you don't slap them back. The fruit controls your hand like that. <laughs> when you're driving in your car, it's not, the, it's not your wife's eyes that cause you to drive properly. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. The character of Christ in you that controls your leg from going any faster. <laughs> going any faster. Self-control. Self-control, ladies and gentlemen, can also be for food. <gasps> the biggest test for a Christian is go to a buffet. Where as soon as we walk in, we've made a plan. Plate number one. Mm, plate two. Mm, plate three. Mm, and dessert, maybe if there's space. But somehow there is space. <laughs> oh. Look, the reason why I'm saying this is because we're all in it together. Okay? Even me. I, used, I loved buffets. Until I got so buffeted. <laughs> That uh, there was no self-control, really, no self-control. And I was thinking, you know, when I was growing up, my mom and dad would say, one piece, John, one piece. <laughs> I thought when I left my house, I can eat all the pieces of chicken I want. I can eat everything I want to eat. Nobody to control me. Not realizing the Holy Spirit was there going, I was the one talking through your mother. I'm the one talking through your wife. Come on now. Pastor Neil says, he actually shared this just the other day. He said the double-edged sword is the Holy Spirit on one side and the wife on the other. <laughs> I love Pastor Neil. I said, Pastor Neil, I agree with you. I will not debate. I have had personal experience. But it has made me a better man. Yes, yes, it has made me a better man. It has made me, look, my, my church made me a better pastor. I was not born a pastor. I was rough. But my church smoothened me out. They made me gentle. Long-suffering. I think I, I've learned... <laughs> I think uh, the fruit of long-suffering and patience has really matured in my life. Like there's like branches coming out of my ears and fruit hanging out. Eh? Right. And it says, the fruit of the Spirit, coming back, the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law against it. It's amazing, isn't it? Which, mean, which means that you can, with the fruit of the Spirit, you can bend the laws of time, space, reality. 
See, there is a, there is a, there's a place in us, there's a, there's a time and a place in our walk with God where all of creation begins to recognize us according to the character of Christ in us. Not according to John, not according to Angelo, Chris, or Sohail, no one. No, no, no. I recognize Christ. And our focus, we're always at this intersection. God is always putting us in this intersection of faith where we choose in that moment to really look inwards. What did I hear in that message? Oh, yes, Pastor John. Thank you for that word. Oh my goodness. It, I, it's happening right now. I mean, in this moment right now, this word came to me at the right time, in the right season. I needed this word. No, no, it wasn't Pastor John. God knew that what you needed in that moment was something to put your faith in. And when you receive the word, you put your faith and you recognize. See, a lot of us get blinded because we choose to get polarized by the knowledge of good and evil. We get blinded to recognize the test. We don't get blinded as, as in, oh, like this is my personality, I don't recognize. No, no, no. We get blinded. We get numb to being sensitive to the test that is happening in our life. And because of that, we make bad choices, bad choices, bad choices, bad choices. And then now because God's favors on our life, we're standing in front of people. It's like, you know, when I on the spot call a person to prophesy, they're like, what happened? You were not prophesying before. But when the time came, God said he has a word in his mouth. Now your character cannot handle the pressure. I used to be like that. People would put me on the spot. Can you prophesy? I'd be like. <laughs> so God said, okay, fine. Go behind closed doors for a season. Don't lead worship. Sit in front of a wall and minister to me. And he took me through a season of developing. Can you hear my voice? Can you hear? I'm saying this. Like I'm telling you, God would teach me by giving me turn by turn directions in a mall. He would teach me, okay, now take a left. I don't know where I'm going. And Kelsey will hold my hand. Babe, I don't know what is happening. We just need to go. God is saying, go left. Kelsey, we'll go left. She is awesome. She was supporting God developing me. You must understand in that season. Go left, go right, go left, go right. Sit here, order that. God's not controlling you. He's just trying to groom you. He's just trying to discipline you so that your character, Christ's character is formed in you. See, a lot of us miss opportunities in life. We miss small ones and we miss big ones only because we don't recognize what God is doing to us. We look at suffering as something that we need to escape. But I want to encourage you, embrace it. Like Paul and Silas in prison. Don't try to fight off the chains and say, in the name of Jesus, chains be loose. And we say, and we sing the songs, right? There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Chains are falling off. The sin issue is still there. <laughs> you're still struggling with alcohol you're still struggling with smoke you're still struggling with pornography you're still struggling with it you're still struggling swearing all the time can't control no self-control until you understand what God is doing with you until you just stop fighting stop resisting just take a breath 
Take a deep breath. Just sit down. Allow yourself to get overwhelmed. I know I'm a pastor. I know this is church. Allow yourself to get overwhelmed. Endurance means God is giving you a grace gift to be submerged in your problem. That's what endurance means. And suffering where you're hemmed in leads to endurance submerged in the problem. Submerged where you cannot depend on your physical abilities to save yourself. That's when he begins to develop character. I can't do this on my own. I don't have the abilities, God. I don't have the personality to be a pastor. I don't know. Look, I preached one message in seven years before God called me to be a pastor. One message. And that way it was, thank God it's, there was no internet at that time. <laughs> because if I were to look at that person preaching, I'd be like, dude, you need help, man. But see, it is in that moment. Don't fight. Just calm down. Slow. Slow yourself down. See, as a church, we love meditation. Why do we love meditation? It's because it causes us to slow down. Slow down and take a report of what is really happening in you. We slow down. Slow down. Calm down. Breathe. Engage into a pattern of breathing. And recognize the areas in your life, in your body, the thoughts that are really running your life, your family, your business, your personality. You think you are the man. When Christ's character starts developing in you, you forget that you're a man because you're no longer a man. You're a divine being. You are a new creation. And that's when you begin to, as you begin to slow down, you'll realize, oh, the word that, that is in me is beginning to talk to me now. And that's what I put my faith in. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, not even my faith, His faith. Wow, I put my faith. Oh, I believe that His faith in me will cause me now in this moment to develop the character of Christ. So we're always at an intersection in our lives. Always. But choose in that moment not to react Choose in that moment to turn to God. Humble yourselves. Pray and seek God. Allow the situation to overwhelm you, ladies and gentlemen. But don't react to it. Don't give it room. Don't allow yourself to, like Paul, get annoyed and try to cast out the demon. I've seen a lot of people try to cast out demons because they got angry. I've seen it. And they hold people's hair and they rag them around and they scream and shout and do all of that stuff. And I've seen people with poise in gentleness and with honor set a person free so that that person can actually come back to that church again and have dignity and honor amongst the group of people. See, that's the way of the kingdom. That is the character of Christ. And I want to encourage you, go on a journey, go on an adventure with with God. Go on an adventure discovering. You're going to walk out of these rooms and you're going to be tested. But pass your test. You have the grace for it. Pass your test. I know that you will pass your test. I know that you have the ability. We've received this algorithm now. We've got this message now and we've got to position ourselves in this place where you go, okay, okay. I am well qualified 
to recognize tests in my life. I'm not going to allow the knowledge of good and evil. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit. When I don't understand anything, when I can't control things, when things are going against me, I'm going to lean into the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say, God, I don't know. I don't know all things, but you know all things. You are the same yesterday, today and forever. That is your character. And I choose to trust that you are an unchanging God, but you do, can, but you can change my situation. And I know and I trust you. And so today, God, I'm just going to wait here. Because your word says those who wait upon the Lord will renew, my, renew their strength. They will rise up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. And you begin to quote these scriptures and you begin to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You begin to strengthen yourself. As you strengthen yourself, you will begin to enjoy the test. You will begin to enjoy the hatred. You will begin to enjoy the suffering. You will begin to enjoy the persecution. I need more persecution. I need more. I need to be hemmed in. You don't understand. I am addicted to the character of Christ. That's the life that we need to live. And so today, church, you are well equipped. You are full of grace. God has given you everything that you need. Every good gift and perfect gift has already been given to you. So I believe that we're going to hear awesome testimonies of how the character of Christ has broken chains, has opened prison doors, has set you free from sickness, has set you free from death, has set you free, has set your family free. You are living in prosperity. And I really believe that we're going to see the goodness of God manifesting in your life. We bless you, church. We love you. Enjoy yourself, okay? Have a good week. Bless you. Bye.